and the saints go marching in. Sing with me if you know this so I don't look like a fool up here. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, I want to be in that number. Oh, I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in. Yeah, see, well, give yourselves a hand. Well done. That's good. Some of you don't think you did so good. You didn't give yourselves a hand. Uh, that was mediocre at best, but that's all right. Uh, that's a good song. And it confused me, though, horribly when I was young. And, and I think it's because when I grew up going to church, when we went to church, it was a bit spotty, it was a bit sporadic. Uh, I, I kind of had, I guess, a, a pop culture references to this idea of the saints. Uh, and maybe some, some Catholic stuff in there. And, and so I thought these saints were people with halos. And, and they were people who were these great, holy uh, people of the past. And, and they were, you know, St. Joseph and, saint, and the saints of the Catholic Church tradition. And, and so it was terribly confusing when I, I want to be in that number. Uh, me? Uh, the halo? Th- I, it was confusing. Uh, and, and then so now I, I look then at, and... and Verses like Acts, where we're going to be spending some time in chapter 9 today. And it says, Peter traveled about the country, and he went to visit the saints. And had I not progressed any way in my understanding of this concept of saints in the last several years, I would be confused. And so it's been a while since I've realized that the word saints really is, although in some traditions has something to do with particular people, who are historical figures, that from a biblical perspective, it includes everyone who has embraced Christ Jesus as their God, as a rescuer from sin. It's the community of the believers. It's the saints. And so the word shows up over 200 times in the New Testament to describe uh, the people of God. A lot more sense then when I sing the song, when the saints go marching in, I want to be in that number. And in fact, I am when the saints go marching in. Uh, it's a catchy tune. And I like it, so it was good, and I appreciate you singing it with me this morning. Um, it's about identity, is really what this is all about. And, and I work with youth, and I work with young adults, and, and so I work a lot with kids who are trying to figure out who they are and what they're good at. And if you've been a parent of a middle school kid or a high school student, you know that they're constantly trying new things. And there is sports. Uh, this week, I'm going to try hockey. And they just give it all to hockey. And some of them, you find out, they're, find out they're not very good at hockey. And as parents, you go, good, because it's really expensive. Here's a soccer ball. Kick that around. Low cost. And and then they're good at soccer, perhaps. Or, or lacrosse, or volleyball, or whatever the sport would be. That, and they jump, they back, they try these dance, or, or you know, some of the martial arts sports. Or, and they try different things to find out what they're good at. Who am I? What am I good at? And it moves to the area of the arts. And it could include drama or acting. It couldn't involve music, uh, piano or guitar or or vocal even. What am I good at? Who am I? And sometimes they make that mistake of defining who they are based on what they're good at. And unfortunately, as we grow older, sometimes we don't correct our thinking. We think that the stuff that I'm good at as a tradesperson or as a business person or as a mom or as uh, that what we're good at defines us. Who are you? I'm an architect. Who are you? I'm a manager. Who are you? I'm a mom. That our activity somehow defines us. 
And we get it all mixed around. And really it's who we are defining what we do. And that's where the writer Luke of the book of Acts brings us back down to and grounds us in this morning. And that's where we're going to kind of walk. It's been defined, our identity as believers, by others in Scripture uh, in various places. Um, Paul, the apostle, does it. And I was reading a description he gave in Galatians 2.20 earlier this week. And I was reading in different translations and different paraphrases of Scripture. and, And one that stood out to me was a particular paraphrase where he said, I identified myself completely with Christ. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God either. Christ lives in me. The life that you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going back on that. That's a statement by Paul of identity and who I am as a saint. This word saint is defined specifically in Scripture as as holy or set apart, as different. Saints are different people. Let's, Let's jump in and read to this morning from Acts 9. 32, uh, through to the end of that chapter, 43, and read along with me. I happen to be reading out of the NIV this morning. Uh, It jumps in right into the story, Luke does for us. And he writes, as Peter traveled about the country, he went and visited the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Anesus, a paralytic, who had been bedridden for eight years. Paul referred to him earlier. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. And so immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon, they saw him and they turned to the Lord. Then it switches to second part of the story, a second community. And it says this. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and she died. And her body was washed and it was placed in an upstairs room. Now, Lida was near Joppa. Uh, just to hit the pause button there for a second. They're about 10, 10 miles or so apart. So a bit of a journey, but in the same region. Uh, Lida was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, They sent two men to him and urged him, please, come at once. So Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. And all these widows were standing around. And they were crying and they were showing Peter the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them out of the room. Then he got down on his knees And he prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. Took her by the hand, 
He helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented Tabitha to them alive. And this became known all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. That's how the chapter concludes. Incredible story about the community of the saints. And these people who live differently. And we could go a lot of different directions this morning, but in the few minutes I have, I want to just really narrow in on our identity, who we are as followers of Jesus. Some of us in the room this morning may not count ourselves a part of that community of the saints yet. We're exploring Christianity. We're looking from the outside in, as it were. This will give you an opportunity to find out what sets those who believe in Christ apart. Uh, And for those of us who are part of the community of believers, those of us who are part of the church, the saints assembled this morning, it will be a reminder to us of how we are called to be different than those in the world we live in, around us. Uh, And there's just four things I want to highlight this morning. Um, And one of them is that we're different because we respond to challenges differently. Our knee-jerk reaction as saints is very different than it would be if we were not a part of the community of the believers. If we were not called by Christ to be followers of Him. If we were not saved for something more. Our response to challenges is different. In science class, when I was in school, and maybe you're aware of this, I, I learned the story of and the principle of, is it Pavlov's dog? Is that right? Pav, Pavlov, Pavlov's dog. And this experiment, as I understand it, went like this. Pavlov had a dog. And the dog loved to eat. And it was one of those, I don't know what kind of dog it was, but it, it had the messy drool thing going on. So I don't know if it was one of those St. Bernard kind of, or, or exactly what kind of a dog it was. But when food came, it anticipated eating and drooled. And, and so Pavlov noticed this and thought, you know, when this dog's eating and drooling, and uh, I'm going to ring a bell. And then what he did was he began to ring the bell and then bring the food. And so the dog started anticipating the action of having the food with the ringing of the bell. And so when the bell began to ring, he would begin to drool and then get his food, and that would be reinforced. And then eventually the experiment moved to the point where The food was never brought anymore. Just the bell had to be rung. And this dog began to drool. And they called that Pavlov's principle of drooling 101 or something like that. That escapes my memory from science class back in the day. But that's all right. You get the point. And I want to suggest in the same way, the Holy Spirit begins to teach and train us in the challenges of life to respond differently. And the response that he trains us and brings us into is a response that becomes knee-jerk as a reaction. And that response is simply to go to the Lord and say, God, what would you have me do? How would you have me respond? To respond in prayer. And we see it in both these stories. We see it in verse, verse 34, in the first story of Aeneas, where Peter, who has now traveled and is introduced to these saints in, in Lydda, begins to meet some of them and spend time with some of them and meets this guy named Aeneas. 
and he hears his story and he sees his condition. And last week we looked at, part of what we looked at was what characterized or what the pillars of the church when they gather was. And one of them was something called fellowship. And we define that as intimate sharing of need in our life. And then a response, a practical response to those needs. And so Peter hears him sharing in fellowship and hears it and immediately, like Pavlov's dog, our knee-jerk reaction goes, okay, God, am I supposed to do something about this story or am I just supposed to listen? I believe this is all happening there. And the Lord says, I want to heal Aeneas today. Speak that out. And so living life on mission and taking his marching orders from the king of kings, Peter speaks out these words. Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. And immediately he does it. The response of Peter is prayer. Because he's been made different by the Lord. In the second story, the same thing happens down in verse 40. He gets to his immediate reaction is, what do I do about Tabitha? He's been on this 10-mile journey with these two guys, hearing about the community of the saints, learning about the people of God in Joppa. And now he gets there. And all that he's heard about, about Tabitha, comes rushing in as he sees her dead corpse lying there on this table, prepared for burial. What do I do with this, Lord? And perhaps in that moment, Peter remembers by the Holy Spirit what happened in a similar story when he was hanging out with Jesus. Where... uh, a man came to Jesus and said, my daughter has died. Would you come and help her? And they went and saw her dead body. Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him. Everybody else was removed. And then Peter, uh, pardon me, Jesus says to this body, get up. And the body comes back to life. And maybe in that moment, he's remembering this because he does exactly the same thing. He sends out everyone from the room. He gets down on his knees as his trained reaction to challenges. He says, God, what do I do? And then he speaks words. Almost exactly the words that Jesus spoke years earlier. And he says, Tabitha. He says, get up. Because he was moved by the Lord to do it. It was not his own cool idea. It was different. In a world that's all about me, he looked at her and said, Jesus, how do you want me to respond? And he said, speak these words. And he came through and he answers. As people of God, as the saints... The church, we're called to respond to challenges differently. It's first to be about prayer. Before we open our mouths, we pray first and we speak or ask questions later. This is the counsel that we seek from the Lord. Um, Colossians chapter 3, Paul reinforces this when he says this. Since then, he speaks to the community of the church. Since then, you plural, church, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated with the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, 
not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Hearts and minds set on things above, not on the earthly things. The earthly stuff happens, and our immediate reaction, the Holy Spirit's training us in, is to act differently, to set our mind on things above. That's just one of the ways we're different as the church, as the saints. And another way that we're different is that we organize our calendars and our life differently. I hope nobody in this room has ever been carjacked. I hope no one in this room has ever been hijacked at least not in our temporal world. But my hope is that you've been hijacked by Jesus on a regular basis. You know these times when you've got your idea how things are going to happen? This is the way it's going to go. I've got it in my calendar. This is my day. And suddenly in comes Jesus with some bright idea about how he thinks life should go on that particular day without consulting you, mind you, and hijacks it. And everything is turned around. And this is what happens to Peter. I mean, he's come to visit the saints in Lydda. That's his place he's in. And good things are happening. I mean, it says here in Acts, it says that as a result of Aeneas being healed, verse 35, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon, which is about a 10-mile by 50-mile kind of coastal region, that's a big chunk of property, in the area there where, where Lida is situated, all of them start seeing Aeneas and they start turning to the Lord. I mean, there's revival, renewal. There's stuff happening in this place. And Peter's in the midst of it. And suddenly, two unnamed disciples, hey, do you want to come down and uh, join us in Joppa? Let me check my calendar. People to be saved. Kingdom of God stuff going on. There is like... It's big news happening here. And I get to be in the middle of it. Because it's all about me. No. Well, God, you've hijacked my day. All right. Uh, yeah, guys, let me just uh, grab my stuff. and yeah, let's, just, let's go. And Jesus changes his calendar. Because Peter's walking hands open with that calendar. And saying, God... All my plans are subject to you changing them. Uh, That's how we're called to be different. Our time is not our time. Our time is to be called on by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our time is subject to him. If I was into bumper stickers, I might have one on my van that said, Following Jesus, full colon, adventure awaits. Because it is. This is the wildest ride that you can imagine. Subjecting your life to the timetable and the movings of God. Take me where I want to go when you want me to go there. We hold our calendar open and our plans are written in pencil. We live our life on mission and it means we can be called into God's service at any moment. Third thing that makes us different that's revealed in this story as I read it this week was uh, that we set our priorities differently. We set our priorities differently. Um, This me-first culture that we live in, everything focuses and is about me. And yet the kingdom of God is completely upside down in that. It's turned on its head. 
I mean, listen to some of the things Jesus says. If you want to be first, me, you have to become last, others. If, if you want to be king of all, you've got to be servant of all. If you want to live, you've got to die to self. I mean, this is an upside-down kingdom. God gives us abilities. He gives us talents. He gives us spiritual gifts. And those are not for ourselves. They're for serving others. There's a quote, if you're looking at your notes today at the bottom, by a guy named William Barclay, and it says this, We are different as the body of Christ as saints. We are different in that we are chosen for a greater task and for a greater service. We are saved to serve. We are saved to serve. God calls us to use things not to be about us, but to be about others. To be about others. Jesus talks about the least of these. Uh, If you've given water to someone who's thirsty, if you've ministered to someone who is in prison, if you've helped someone who is in need, you've done this thing to the least of these, you've done them to me. A call to serve others. Uh, I was hanging out on, was it Tuesday night with the elders and deacons, and uh, someone brought a song that they wanted to sing. Incredible song. And we sang it, and some of the verses went like this. It's called the servant song. Brothers, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I might have the grace to let you be my servant too. Mutual humility to one another. Continues, we are pilgrims on a journey. Adventure awaits. We are brothers on the road. We are here to help each other. Walk the mile and bear the load. It continues, I will weep when you are weeping. I will laugh, I'll laugh with, pardon me, when you laugh, I'll laugh with you. I will share your joy and sorrow till we've seen this journey through. That's a different kind of life. Brother, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I might have the grace to let you be my servant too. That's a different type of priority than the world around us. And God calls us to that. Tabitha was somebody who was gifted in serving and caring. Had that kind of a heart. She was great as a seamstress. She loved making clothes. But if she wasn't into the designer label fashion world, she decided to use it to clothe those who wouldn't be able to clothe themselves. And when Peter walked into the room, they're showing her, look what Dorcas made for me. Look what Tabitha sewed for me. Look what she got, these garments. Tabitha was all about serving others with the gifts God had given her, not calling attention to herself in it. Love that. Because that's, the definition of what it is to be called a saint. Someone who lives differently than the look-at-me world we find ourselves in. The last one is about our joy. And the fact that our joy comes from something different as the people of God. Our joy does not come in the same things. We may get joy from some of the same things in this world around us, but our deep, deep joy comes from something different. Both these stories that Luke records for us attest to this at the ending of them. 
uh, the first one about Aeneas. It, it says, after he got up, all those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw Aeneas and what had happened and turned to the Lord. The gospel was presented. The good news of Jesus was presented and people embraced him and the kingdom grew. Yes! That's the final note on that story. The last story, uh, or the second story that we have uh, about the people down in Joppa and Tabitha, it ends in verse 34 as the fact that, just stating the fact that this became known all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord. The kingdom grew. God's word was established. Are you a storyteller? Uh, Some of us in this room have not realized that we're called to be evangelists. We love to talk. We love to spread story. We love to share with people what's going on. But God's calling us to say, you need to speak differently. You need to share stories that are different. You're to share stories that bring glory to God and about what he's doing. Stories of God on the move. And we have to relearn how to use our God-given abilities as extroverts and connectors and networkers and sharing to give glory to God. That's the kind of storytelling that's appropriate in the kingdom. The stories are told. It focuses on what God's doing. And it glorifies him so that others come and are drawn into that community. It's a great litmus test as people who are wired for evangelism and are networkers are our words drawing people into the community and the kingdom. It's a great litmus test for whether we're walking that out and serving in that way. Our joy is to be in something different. So, the saints, this week, as you look at yourself, who you are as your identity will be impacting what you do as an individual. What, how you behave, what you think about, what you do, how you interact with others, what sorts of things you speak, and, and how you react when the challenges of life the opportunities of life happen. The last note I wrote was, we live different because Christ is in us. Let's begin and continue to increase in living this way all the time, even in today.